0: 1 Corinthians, the series is called Getting Right and Getting Going, Getting Right and Getting Going, and it was this, it's this letter to a church to get some theological issues right, some behavior issues right, some questions they had, like what, what's God want here, and then get going with his mission. So that's the theme of this letter. And today's focus is on the topic of unity, and my question is, is that even possible is unity even possible it's hard to imagine it but let's do an experiment what is the best ice cream flavor come on give them to me chocolate more chocolate because there's no one else fawning wins is chocolate bubble gum strawberry what cotton candy you guys like six what's going on okay Chocolate? How about chocolate peanut butter? Rocky road? A little cookies and cream out there? Anyone? Any cookie dough? Okay, so there'd be no way for us in a room this this size to say this is the best flavor of ice cream. There'd be no way for us to do that. We all have opinions and varieties. But what we could say, uh, we could just go, we like ice cream, right? We don't we don't have to pick a flavor. We just pick the topic. We like ice cream, and that's why you go to the store, you go to Adeline, and they got like 12 of them out, because there's a variety of preferences. So we could all say we like ice cream, but we have individual preferences. If we focus on the big category, we can be unified. And I know there's always a funny guy that's like, but I don't like ice cream. This is not the church for you. I don't know what else. I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. You cannot like ice cream. I'll have your portion. But... Um, the point is, the, think big, if we stay big category, ice cream. Yes, we love ice cream. And then underneath it, there's room for preferences and likes and this flavor and that flavor. And that's kind of the, what we're going to focus on today. Here's our point. We all unite, we unify when we focus on Christ. If we focus on little details, I like this and that, and there's all kinds of varieties of teachings and styles and churches and, and options, and we all have preferences And they're not all bad. But if we make our focus Christ, then we can unify underneath him. If we make the focus our individual preference, we'll never unify. So that's where we're going to go today. We all unite when we focus on Christ. So let's uh, look into 1 Corinthians. We're going to read the the section together that we're going to cover. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 10. 1 Corinthians 1 starting in verse 10. We're going to go 10 to 17. And then Paul's kind of thought pattern, he goes on this large sort of parenthesis, which is very important, but it loses the flow of today's argument. So we'll do 1, 10 to 17, and then he picks it back up again in chapter 3. So we're going to go jump to chapter 3, and then next week we'll come back and fill in the gap. So let's read what we're going to cover today today and then we'll kind of, we'll go back through it. So starting in chapter 1 verse 10. He says, "I appeal to you brothers by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers." I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross be emptied of its power. Okay, jump to chapter 3. He goes on a long parenthesis, and then he picks up this theme again in chapter 3, verse 1. So jump to 3, verse 1. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants And he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So there's the whole chunk. Let's come back and just get a sense. What's going on in this church? What's going on that Paul has to uh, address this topic? What's happening there? And you see that there are divisions right? I mean, there's splits, there's a divide, there's people getting in different camps, different viewpoints. You see that there, I appeal to you that there be no divisions among you. See that in verse 10. If you look in verse 11, uh, Chloe, Chloe sends some kind of report to him that there's quarreling, strife, discord, disagreements. That's what's going on there. So Chloe sends a note and here's what it's centered around see that in verse 12, it's centered around preferred leaders, right? So we, we looked at this last week that Paul founded this church. We saw that in Acts uh, eight, 18. Yeah. He founded the church. He stayed there for 18 months. He got it going. But at some point, a guy named Apollos came behind him and he pastored and shepherded there for a while. The name there, Kephas, is another name for Peter, so I don't, I don't know if Peter came there too or if some of the people were just familiar with Peter or uh, if, I don't know how he fits in, but apparently some people are like, well, I'm more of a Paul Christian. And, well, I'm more of an Apollos guy. And well, I like Peter more. And what's, You get another clue if you look in verse 17, 117. He said, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom. So I think there was a debate about or preference about teaching style because we know Apollos was very, very trained in the Greek rhetoric system. So it was a very formal, flowing, uh, eloquent kind of speech that you had to do. And then Paul's trained as a Hebrew Pharisee, so there's a whole different Jewish back and forth questioning kind of style. So probably some are like, "Well, I like that style." I say, no, 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 I like the formal Apollos. I don't know what Peter's style was. He was probably more like a John the Baptist, like you must repent and pound something, and people. Yeah, I'm guessing that I don't know. But this whole idea was they were lining up behind preferred teachers. We like this style. We want that style. We we think more this way. If you look in chapter 3, Paul describes that. He's like, what's that about? Chapter 3, verse 3, he said, you're still of the flesh. You're still of the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife, are you not of the flesh and behaving in only a human way? This is a human thing, right? We pick things. We like things. He's saying that's a human thing. That's a fleshly thing. That's not a spiritual or a sign of spiritual maturity. It's a human thing. And I'm thinking, if they had that struggle, if they had a struggle where people had a favorite teacher, a favorite leader, how much more do we have it? I mean, at this moment, you can call up thousands and thousands of sermons and preachers right now thousands of opinions. Since COVID, every church is online. So everyone is out there. I mean, YouTube's going to blow up with church at some point here. Um, So we have a million options. You're like, I'm tired of Ryan. You could be have the ear pods in. I'm listening to a real sermon right now. I don't know. But if they had opinions, we've got a million more because we have access over the web. And it's just, it's been crazy, right? You can find any kind of opinion you want on COVID. Right? You can find any kind of pastor to say, forget you government, to never leave your home again. Like and there's everything in between. Right? You can the election, it's just nuts. There was churches going on. There's still people that think Trump's won. And you're like, okay, you know, there's still say preachers are saying this, right? It's still going on. And so we can find anything anywhere. This has been the most disunifying year I've ever experienced. The most tearing up, and it's not just people have an opinion, they're like convinced. I've had emails like, your life depends on reading this. The vaccine is Satan. I'm like, I just just don't think it is, right? But it's so urgent and forceful, and and so they're preferences. And we're going to have preferences, and it's very difficult to decide them, but it's a human thing. Humans have preferences. We have different ice cream preferences, we have leadership preferences, we have political preferences, and and can we ever bring those together? Well, no. You cannot bring your preferences together, and that's where we have to be careful that this theme today, that we unite when we focus on Christ, unite doesn't mean uniform. Uniform means everyone dresses the same, talks the same, looks the same. And there's probably a YouTube video of a weird cult like that. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. Okay, uniform is, is only probably possible when someone forces it on you. And we can't force an opinion. So you, united means you can have a something that we all believe in and rally behind while having differences and diversity and preferences. We're not going for uniform. That's impossible. But we're going for united. Where we have one focus, one banner. It's that difference in between we can unite under ice cream, have preferences of flavors. We can unite under Jesus Christ and have preferences of opinions and styles and preachers. And we have them, I have them. But the key is that those don't become our focus and divide us. So we unite when we focus on Christ. So let's look at that in the passage. That That's what Paul's driving at this whole time. Look in um, verse 10. The whole tone of this, he says, I appeal, I appeal to you. It's an urgent plea. It's not a stomping your foot, you must listen to me. He's just saying, I'm appealing to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the whole reason for his appeal, is it's about Christ. So he says, I'm urging you, I'm appealing to you. And then look in verse ten, there he says that all of you be united united. That is an interesting word. This is something you can do this too. You can do a word study and say, where else does this word appear in the Bible? And this word appears in the Bible in a passage that says, and the fishermen were mending their nets. Same word, mending. So if you think about fishing with a net, I'll put a picture up of it. When you fish with a net, uh, it goes out in the water and you put it in the water and then things could tear it get giant fish they tear it you snag it over the edge of the boat it tears they they wear out and so a lot of a fisherman's job when they're on the shore is repairing the nets mending the nets because it does no good to have a net that's all torn up and the fish swim through and then you're broke right so you need to fix the net you need to unite the net that's the that's that word there and you just think of that for the church one of the images that jesus used of making disciples was being fishers of men and the, the imagery, the fishing in that day was net fishing, not rod and reel fishing. So think of that. that We're going to go into this world seeking to reach people for Christ. If the net's shredded, we're not getting anywhere. If people are, can't be in the same room with one another, we're not getting anywhere. And I think that's the image Paul's going for. I want you to be united. I want you to be mended. I want this group of diverse people from different backgrounds and different preferences to be sewed together into one net under Christ. And as we sweep through this world and exist in this world, it pulls people to Christ. That's, that's the image there, that we be mended, we be brought together as one group under Christ. That's what he's getting at. So he, he goes on to describe some of the flaws in their thinking. He says, I want you to be united. I want you to be one connected net. And he says, because the leaders aren't You're not baptized into their name. You see that verse 13? Was Christ divided? The answer, no. It's just one Christ. We don't have lots of little pieces of him. There's one Christ. Was Paul crucified for you? No. Paul's like, I didn't die for anybody's sins. Uh, Or were you baptized into the name of Paul? No. You're baptized in the name of Christ. So he's beginning to say, I want you to be united. And let me show you the proper view of a leader or a pastor, or, or a, someone who's teaching you. So we saw that back over in chapter 3, verse 5. How, do, how should you consider other pastors and leaders? What viewpoint should we have of them? Look in 3, verse 5. He says, um, well, what then is Apollos? Okay, what is Paul? What, are, what do we do with these leaders? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos' water, but God gave the growth. So he says we're servants. They have different roles, right? One might plant the seed. One might water the seed. But God does the real growing. So there's different roles. He said, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. He said, it's not about us. We're just doing his work. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, God's field God's building. He kind of turns it to an agricultural metaphor. He's like, basically, the leaders that God has called are tools in God's hands. So you could say to Pastor Ryan, you're a a tool. In this context, I would say thank you. I'm doing right. If you told that to me down down the street, I'd cry and feel hurt. But in this context, it's a good thing. We are instruments in God's hands. We are, he's using us to do his work. And he says, they're one. They're doing the same job. It looks different. They have different roles to play. But it's really God's ministry, and God is reaching people, and we're God's instruments. So don't worry about the tools. Don't worry about the instruments. That word there in verse 5 was servants. It's where we get the word deacon. In the original, that word means a table waiter. A table waiter. So imagine your best favorite restaurant, whatever it is, put it in your mind, and your favorite entree. Some of you are steak people. we got some steak people. I've got a lot of food themes today. I'm sorry. I must not have ate enough breakfast. Uh, Steak people. Some people are fish. Give me a nice fresh salmon or halibut. Some of you are chicken. Some of you are, I don't know, pizza. And just the best one there is. They bring it to you, and it's delicious. And you turn to the waiter and say, you carried that so perfectly You were perfectly level, and you set it, and you turned it the way I liked it, and your apron was ironed so nicely, and you walked so confidently, thank you. Like, nobody says that, right? You say, tell the chef that was amazing, right? Tell the chef that was the best salmon I ever had. You don't care about the guy carrying it to you. I do care that they bring me lots of napkins because I'm messy, but uh, other than that, right, it's about the chef, The chef's cooking the food. The chef is the master. The waiter is bringing it to you. The waiter is serving it to you. And that's what Paul says. This is how you think of leaders. Are they serving you Christ? Are they serving you the word of God? If they're not, go to a new restaurant. That's probably what he'd say. But um, if they're not, it becomes about them. If the point of the leader is to draw attention to themselves and create division... They're not doing God's work because he's being very clear that's a worldly thing. The world divides. Unspiritual people divide. But leaders want to bring people together because they're serving Christ, and that's it. They're not serving other meals. So that's that's how we think of leaders. They're servants. They're instruments. And that doesn't just mean pastors. Everyone who's leading a group of kids, leading a small group, leading a youth group, leading your family— Our whole point is serving Christ. Let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 2. And I want us to see the vision that Christ has for the church. We're going to see it described in Ephesians chapter 2. And you're going to hear the word one and unified and one over and over again in this passage. God's vision for his leaders is to serve Christ. And then his vision for the body is to become one. The context in Ephesians 2 is um, Jews and Gentiles coming together. So here he's visualizing Jews, one ethnicity, Gentiles, the rest of the ethnicity, all the other groups being brought together. So Ephesians 2, let's start in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's talking to Gentiles who had You know, no background, not the people of God, not Israelites, didn't have the law. Now they're being brought in through Christ. For he himself is our peace. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So the death of Christ to bring all the ethnic groups together was to break down hostility, not create new hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, That he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. He said, I don't want my church divided, Jews and Gentiles, no ethnic divisions. I want one body, one man, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Everyone comes to Christ through the cross. There's no other way. There's no side way. There's no advantage Everyone must confess Christ. Everyone comes through the cross, so we all come in the same footing. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So it's this big building. And the apostles and prophets had a role. They're leaders. They're they're part of it. But then he says, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. That's who we're founded on. It says, in him the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Do you hear how much one, 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 one body, one person, one way, one building? It's a oneness there. And the imagery was we're not building a house for us to dwell in. We are the building for God to dwell in. So he's putting us together, and he's putting the pieces together. And so on a small level, we're a little picture of that. And on a universal level, all the saints, all the believers are a giant picture. But it's for God to live in. So we all unite when we focus on Christ. That's our image. The church is Christ. His servants are serving him. The goal is to come together and be his house, his people, his dwelling. So how do we do it? This, just can't, this is a thought I had. That unity doesn't come by force. It comes by focus. I can't tell you be unified. I can't tell you, you know, like that guy. You ever try and tell a kid, hey, there's a kid over there, he doesn't have any friends, go be their friend. But I don't like him. Like, there's, there's no solving that, right? They're like, Well, I guess you don't like him. Right, we can't force unity. I can't force views. I can't force you to change your mind. That, that does, that, it's fruitless. It's pointless, right? Fani is not changing off a of chocolate ice cream. I heard it, right? I can't make or switch. So that's not, forcing that is not the point. If we are all focused on the same person, Christ, obeying him, we will end up unified. So if we're focused on you like this, you like this, stop like, we'll never get there. But if we look up and say we're all focused on Jesus, Jesus is what it's all about, we're serving the word of God, we're serving his ministry, then we're suddenly not even looking at each other, we're not looking at differences, we're not worried about them, even though we have them, I'm not saying we don't have preferences, they just move to the background and we move towards him. That's what we're getting at. So why is this such a big deal? Why does Paul open the letter like this? Why is he so concerned? Why does he say, I can't even move on from this? You're not ready for it because you're so divided. He said, I can't even give you the meat yet. You're still drinking milk. I can't move on yet. Why why does he say that? Look over in, in John 17. gives us one of the reasons. John 17, verse 20, is a prayer of Jesus. He's praying on the eve of being arrested and crucified, and and he's praying. And I want you to see who he's praying for. He's in the garden. He's praying. He's praying with his disciples, but then it switches in verse 20. He says, I do not ask for these only, these disciples sitting around me, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's anticipating (laughs) believers. He's praying for the future church. I pray for all who believe through the apostles' word. And we're still sharing the apostles' word right here in John. So he says, I'm praying for them that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Now that's an amazing passage. First he's saying I want you to be one in the same way that the father and the son are one. It feels like it feels impossible to my mind but that's why we need God to do it. I want you to be one but what was the result to me, this seems like weird math. It doesn't seem like one plus one does not equal two. If you're perfectly one, I would think he'd say, well, then we accomplished the mission together and we're all pulling in the same direction and it's really fun to be together. He doesn't say any of that. He says, so the world will know you sent me. Our unity tells the world Jesus is from God. It feels like weird math to me. Like, how does that work? I don't know. He just says that's how it works, so I believe him. He says that when we unify around Christ, the looking on world will go, Jesus must really be the Son of God. And I think it has to do with it's the only place in the world that that happens. If you've been in any kind of club, any kind of organization, any kind of work environment, there's, you can't make it be unified, right? Everybody's opinions and anybody have a work fight before? Anybody have somebody you'd rather not sit in the break room with, right? It, it's it, You say, I don't want to be around those people. you got a neighbor you don't care for. It's everywhere, right? But if you come into Jesus' church and people with preferences say, I'm laying those aside and I'm so focused on Jesus and one another, I think the world goes, whoa. I haven't seen that before. It doesn't work like that in my work. It doesn't work like that in my gym. It doesn't work like that in my neighborhood. Something's going on there. Yep, because Jesus is from God and he's changed us. That's... That's the math. That's what adds up. When we come together in Christ, the world goes, there's something real about this. And when we don't, when Paul's saying, you guys are all divided up, he said, this, nothing's going to happen. You're a net with holes in it. Uh, Francis Chan just came out with a book on this topic, actually. It's called Until Unity. Until Unity. And so I pulled a, a little quote out of there, it's really powerful of what it looks like when it happens. So in this subsection, the subtitle of this paragraph was, When Unity is Easy. Like, well, that, that, those sentences don't go together. Those words don't go together. Is unity ever easy? He says this, We've all met people who are so spirit-filled they seem to be glowing. Their intimacy with Christ is visible. It conjures thoughts of Moses' glowing face after being with God. When these overjoyed people encounter one another, they take turns talking about how God has blessed them. God is the hero of all their stories. I highlighted that. He's the hero. And the fellowship is effortless. It's rare to find people overflowing with peace and joy in Christ having conflicts with one another. Isn't that amazing? It's that same when we are just so excited about what Jesus is doing in our life and how he was working this week and what it means to be forgiven and he's the hero, all that other stuff falls to the background. Doesn't mean you don't have those views and opinions. They just move behind and it just brings us together. Now I'm gonna embarrass this person, but this is John Westerland. Have you been around John more than three seconds when he's like, hey, 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 look at this verse. And he's so excited about Jesus. I know I'm embarrassing you, and I didn't tell you I was going to do that, John. But I love it. He's so excited about Jesus that he's like, you've got to look at this. And he'll show you a verse, and then he reads and goes, Oh, it's so good. I just love that, John. And I, I'll, I'll owe you a coffee or something for embarrassing you. But uh, that's the idea. When Jesus has so captured your heart, it's like you never get over it. You know, he forgave all my sins. Could you believe that? It happened 50 years ago. I know, and I never got over it. Never got over it. That's the picture, that we focus on Jesus, other stuff moves to the background, and then we just start moving towards each other. We unite when we focus on Christ. So there's a question for us. Where am I focused? If you're in social media, your social media feed will tell you. I I keep talking about this movie. Watch The Social Dilemma. It will tell you, Every time you click something, you're going to get five more, and you're going to get five. So whatever is automatically pumped into your feed, that's what you're focused on, right? Right now, mine has a lot of mountain biking pictures and fishing. I, I don't know. It's way off. But, uh, but seriously, where am I focused? What am I looking at? What's capturing my attention? What's capturing my frustration? Where am I pointing people? Am I pointing people to Christ? Am I pointing people away from Christ? the question is really is the level of humility am i willing to let my opinion go my viewpoint go am i willing to put that on the back burner so that i could sit with someone who i disagree with that opinion but i love jesus together so it's a huge humility if we all say i'm going to lay this down I might be very passionate about it but what i'm more passionate about is jesus and we'll move together so as we end today We're going to have an opportunity to share the most unifying thing of all, and that's Jesus. He gave us his body, one body. He shed his blood so that we can be one. So if you didn't grab one of these on the way in, there's a table outside that door. It's okay during the songs to go grab one. But uh, Pastor Mark will lead us through that time. But we come to one Christ who's given his body and his blood. And the more we look at him, the more we'll grow together and the more we'll be this net It just draws people into the love of Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for going to the cross for us. I thank you that you have brought us into one group. And it's hard. I have a million preferences. I think I'm right. And Lord, I want to lay that down. Lord, let me be humble. Let us only serve you as a church and not be about the waiter, be about the chef. Lord, let us unite under what you've done. Let us be filled with the joy of our salvation and just be this force, Lord, and let us do it with believers all over our city and our county. We have different preferences, different ways of worship, even some different theological angles, but let us focus on you and this county would see that Jesus really is from God. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.